something this week and it was really um, pretty great so I wanted to bring it here and she said something along the lines of this is such a beautiful place right here in this in this room and in this building um, because Jesus isn't accepted in a lot of places anymore in this world <clears throat> and I stopped and I thought like how many times have I come here Sunday morning and other times throughout the week and I've just come to do the things or the whatever but not realizing like how special that this place actually is this is his this is his house this is his bride resides here and it is special and then I thought of our kids. And so kids and teenagers and children and whatever age you are, realize, you guys realize this is a special place. He's not welcome in our schools. He's not welcome in a lot of places that we have to send our kids, right? But this can be a safe place. We're seeking him here, he is here. In the scripture of Psalm 46:10, be still and know that I am God. The word still doesn't mean sit and do nothing. It means to slacken, to stop striving. Ugh. But it also means to be weak. So we get to be weak and know that he is God. And the rest of that verse after that just goes on to proclaim that he is God. Like he, in fact, I want to read it, but I don't know how to turn on this phone. It's kind of new. Psalm 46, 10 and 11. 
He will move the mountains. He is exalted. It's just a proclamation of who our God is and who we're worshiping. So right now, this morning, if this is the first time that you get to stop striving, that you get to just turn your mind off and think you are holy and I'm gonna focus on your holiness, not mine, because we're human and we get there. So Father, we give you our presence because you're already here. We give you our whole selves this morning as one body and God, you know that's powerful. Be pleased with our worship this morning. Thank you. 
please have a, a seat for just a second? Here's the fifth song. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my sighing. Pay attention to the sound of my cry. My King and my God, for I pray to you. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. expectantly. For you, you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil cannot dwell with you. The boastful cannot stand in your sight. You hate evildoers. You destroy those who tell lies and abhor violent and treacherous people. But I enter your house by the abundance of your faithful love. I bow down toward your holy temple in reverential awe of you. Lord, you lead me in your righteousness because of my adversaries. Make your way straight before, before me. For there is nothing reliable in what they say. Destruction is with them, within them. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongues. Punish them, God. Let them fall by their own schemes. Drive them out because of their many crimes, for they rebel against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them shout for joy forever. May you shelter them, and may those who love your name boast about you. For you, Lord, bless the righteous one. You surround him with favor like a shield. Amen. I am just so grateful that we have this place. And from what I observed over this weekend, because I just took time to observe and think, you can't throw a rock 10 feet in this area without hitting somebody from New Life in the head, or a couple of them. And that brought me great joy, going to the soccer fields and seeing the body of Christ interwoven amongst our community. So, it's a beautiful thing. And then I get to see you today, and we get to come here and learn more about God, to get recharged, throw our black hearts on this altar, and, and cry with each other and laugh with each other, and then go out there and see each other. So it's a beautiful thing. I am grateful for that, and I am grateful for um, everyone that makes that possible. Thank you for greasing the wheels here. Thank you for your tithes, your offerings, your service. We are truly one body 
with hands, eyes, feet, just operating. I mean, if we truly did operate the body of Christ the way we do, Christ might walk kind of funny. But we're doing our best, Lord. <laughs> and he's guiding us. So I want to thank you for that. Um, the ways that we give here at our church, uh, we have a box out, out there. Um, you can put your tithes and offerings in there. Or the mailbox throughout the week if you want to slip it in there. Um, there's a church center app. We also use that. And uh, newlifeastoria.com is our website. And you can find all kinds of instruction there, um, including, uh, you know, what we do for as far as uh, table gatherings and things like that. There's links for you to, to, to click on and, you know, you can get some material from Pastor Angelo about leading some communion in your home. Um, I just want to pray over this real quick. Lord, thank you for mixing together a strange group of people, a lot from different walks of life, and just putting sinews in our community where they were not before. That's your strength. Lord, thank you for giving the resources uh, to those that give, and I ask for your blessing on it. I ask for your, your Holy Spirit over here right now to blanket everybody here. Lord, we love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, please rise.
people might think it's weird to say he's our master but we are slaves unto him through Christ Jesus Father I hope we're ready today to let you rule our life 
because our lives would be so much greater if we just let you lead. And we just literally surrendered all of our flesh and all of our wants and all of our desires to what's best for you. You say that all things work together for good to those who love God. We want you to know we love you today, Lord. We love you, Jesus. You're the ruler of everything. Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, y'all may be seated. I have asked Krista Jasper to come pray for Napa schools tonight, or today, because we believe that the schools are our greatest mission field. Amen? So we have asked Krista. She has uh, got kids in school out there. She's got, she's on the school board. She's very involved. We'll just let her pray. I've been thinking about what what to pray just for Napa because I feel bad just praying just for Napa. <laughs> but um, the school is dear to my heart. And one thing that I just kept hearing this morning, so kids in the building, you are here for a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Um, don't forget who you are when you walk in the halls of your school. And, um, you know, I, as parents, we think, oh my gosh, like, how can we have our kids be in this world? Like there's so many things that are so different from when we were kids. And just know that your kids were made for such a time as this and that God has a plan for them and he's going to use them in a mighty way. So... We're gonna pray for Napa School, but just know that all of your kids are in our prayers and we're gonna be taking turns praying for the other schools. Um, but dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the little town of Napa. Thank you for the administration and the teachers that you have picked and put in place. There are amazing, amazing people in that building and I pray that you use them for your glory. That the name of Jesus might not be welcome in school, but you are there. There is no place that you cannot go. You are walking with our children. They are yours. Those are your babies in that building. And we pray for protection over the building and over their hearts, God, over their minds. Jesus, we want you to be glorified. And I just pray for the parents in here that we do our job at home to make sure that they know that there's a God that loves them and that is with them every step of the way, even when we're not with them. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for what you're going to do in this school year in our county and in Napa. We love you, Jesus, in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. I don't need a second mic. I think that's off. Now I'm going to tell a joke that some may not think is funny. When I was a kid, my dad was a logger. And he had all of his tools in the truck. 
And if he went out in the woods and he didn't have his tools, he would be upset because if something broke down and he didn't have the, the tools he needed to do the job that he had to do. But me being a kid living on a farm, I needed tools too. So I would take my dad's tools out of his truck and use them and then forget them because you know how kids are, we don't remember everything that we're supposed to be doing right. So my dad would go out in the woods, not have tools, come home, yell and scream because I took his tools and I didn't replace them. I just want to confront something today that needs to be confronted. Joey used my Bible and he didn't return it to the page. <laughs> Don't mess with a man's tools, dude. And that was a joke, so don't think I'm mad at Joey. You want to turn to James chapter 1. I have it here. And I got to use my glasses because I'm old. Could you imagine revival breaking out in church? Could you imagine how much greater that would be if a revival broke out at Napa schools? I'll take it either way. But I'd love to see that prayer go a long ways. James chapter 1 and verse 19. Did I say James? You also want to turn to Proverbs chapter 17. So if you're using old school Bible, you can do that. And then you lose your pen. James says this. Thank you. Know this. Know this. We should all know this. My beloved brothers. This is a positive message that James is bringing. Let every person be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And if you turn to Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 27. And I love the words in, 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 in this scripture. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. There's hope for some of us. He that has a cool spirit. He that has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. We're going to learn today to have, how to have a cool spirit. This is the coolest I can be at 60 years or 59 years old. <laughs> this is the best you're going to get. Let's, let's pray one, one time real quick. Father, heard a lot about your house today. The value of gathering together. Heard today about how when we're out in the world, how we represent you. 
I hope the world can see through us how awesome you are. I hope they see it in the way that we relate to each other as married couples, as friends, as church members, as soccer coaches, as football coaches, as mothers, as children, that the world can see the righteousness of God in us because we have a cool spirit. Encourage our hearts today, Father, to learn something that we might need to be able to apply from you. Jesus, we pray. Amen. We live in an increasingly fast-paced world. Communications are instantaneous, and the expectation is we're so fast in communication that we expect bubbles to automatically turn into words. Am I the only one that watches the bubbles when you text somebody and they start to text something and then, it, and then the bubbles go away and you're like, no! And then the text pops up and you're like, yes! And if you don't see the bubbles, you, you know they're paying attention to their phone because everybody does. They're just ignoring your text. And we, we're so concerned about that that we're, we start thinking that people don't like us because the bubbles don't show up. They must be mad at me, and, and I must have said something wrong, or I must have not said what they wanted me to say. So fast, jobs are continuous. There's almost always more to do. Have you noticed that about jobs? It never shuts off. There's always something that can be done. Especially when you go home and your wife makes you do more work at the house. The great thing is that she won't let me go on ladders now, so I don't have to do anything <laughs> above this level, which is pretty simple. See, I believe under the weight of the demands of time, the fast-paced world we live in, we're being broken as people. Depression, attention disorders, anxiety are all problems that all ages had. When I was a younger man, the only people that had anxiety were people who were under great stress. Now we're under great stress just for being alive. Right? Attention disorders, everyone's got one now. It's called a cell phone. I'm not knocking cell phones, don't. We drink caffeine to wake up and take Ambien to go to sleep. Amen? Highly caffeinated drinks get us through our day. And keep us going through our day. I read an article this week that from 1990 to 2007, the world sped up 10%. Like we're, we're um, the pace of life sped up 10% just in that time. And that was really before, and again, phones aren't my enemy. I'm just saying that I know that they cause a lot of stress and anxiety in our lives. So I wonder just how much faster life has sped up since 2007, I know for myself, it's gotten a little slower because of what I'm going through in my life. But prior to that, life was just getting busier and busier and busier and busier. And you could never get all done that you needed to get done. There was never an end to the day. The most significant harm, I believe, as a pastor is being done through human to, to human relationships. 
Most relationships are superficial because we're too busy to actually take time to get to know one another. And that's not just in church. That's in every aspect of our lives. Husbands and wives don't really know each other because they don't actually sit down and communicate with each other because they're so busy running here and running there, doing this and doing that. Or I see you guys in the same space, both on your phones, texting each other. I don't know. That's what I'm assuming you're doing. Parents don't know their kids because everyone's so busy. See, have you noticed that when somebody's talking to you, you're trying to rush them to get to the point? And you actually at times will interrupt them to help them hurry along. Am I the only one that does that? Get to the point. Do you get frustrated when you're stuck behind others? When I was new to, new to this church, uh, my pastor drove 30 miles an hour everywhere he went. And you never wanted to get behind him because you couldn't pass him because you can't pass your pastor. And you can't honk at him and you can't make bird signals and... Well, you can, but it just, it'll come out in the sermon on Sunday, and then it's ugly, and it's just this whole thing that happens. How irritated would you be if you had to sit for an hour and do nothing? How frustrated would you get? When someone's talking to you, are you forming a response in your mind before they're even done talking? Like, you don't even know what they've said fully, but you've already got an answer ready to go. How many times in a conversation do you check your phone or your watch? And how uncomfortable are you in silence? See, humans today must be constantly stimulated. And this constant stimulation has left us agitated and on the edge. Even when we are adding to the agitation by being more busy. I mean, just look at the rise of road rage. When I was a kid, you could honk, honk at somebody and say, hey, beep, beep, you're about to run me over, back off. Now you do that, you, you get all sorts of signals and they'll pull over and they'll threaten you. Road rage is getting ugly. It's scary. I am, I am very careful how I drive in Portland. I mean, around here, I probably know most of the people that are flipping me off, but... <laughs> Look about the number of, the rise of the Karens, I guess I could say it that way. Where did that come from? That was never a thing when I was a kid. Nobody lost it on the poor guy who's just trying to check you out of McDonald's, which you probably shouldn't be eating there anyway, and nobody's saying that to you, because if they said that to you, you'd act like a Karen and get all upset and mad and yell and scream. Every time I see a Karen in a store, I, I, I first I look to see if I know you. And then the second thing I do is I walk away. I just walk away. <laughs> this pace of life is significantly impacting even our spiritual lives. We're no longer 
listen to, listen, listening to preaching, it's no longer a work of the Holy Spirit because it either needs to be entertaining or we, or we sense nothing. And I, I've heard that so many times. Well, I, I sense nothing. How do you know it's not the work of the Spirit that's trying to move in you through the sermon? Well, it just didn't entertain me. It didn't keep me engaged like I'm trying to do today. Prayer is no longer a practice of patience where we pray and we just wait on God. Now, it must be effective and instantaneous or it's useless. Purposeful Bible study where people actually study what the Word of God says is no longer a part of our lives. It's got to be podcasted so you can put it on two times speed to listen to whatever's being said. So you don't waste any time. I'm not against podcasts. I'm not against any of that. I'm just saying that or two times speed. I'm not against two times speed or three times speed, however fast you want to listen to it. I'm just saying, we are so busy. That we can't even hear what's being said. Know this, my beloved brothers. Know this. This is knowledge that the word of God through James is saying we need, to, we need to have in our lives. Know this. Know this. My beloved brothers, those who I love, those who I care for, those who I'm wanting to serve and sacrifice my life for, let every person let every person. James is writing in the Word of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This means every person is supposed to be doing this. Every person who claims the name of Jesus Christ needs to be doing this. This is something that every person needs to be doing. This is not something just for a few choice people. This is for everyone who is hearing the Word of God being read today. Every, let every person be quick to hear. Slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I could turn this scripture around and say, instead of being quick to hear, being slow to hear leads to thoughtlessness. If we're not listening, we don't even know what we're responding to. We're not really thinking about what's being said by the person who's communicating with us. We have a partially processed conversation and we're responding with a partially processed answer because we haven't actually listened to what the person is saying because we're too busy. Being quick to speak leads to truthlessness. We think without hearing clearly and we respond with partially processed replies. Have you ever said something to somebody in reply to what they're saying to you and then you realize what you said sounded stupid and it wasn't even true? Because you didn't hear everything that was being said. You didn't process the thought that you were hearing because you were in such a hurry to respond. It led you to say something that wasn't true. I've done that numerous times where I've said something to somebody and they've said, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. Being quick to anger leads to ruthlessness. When our thoughts are, uh, when, 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 wait, I'll get it out. When we're thoughtless and truthless, we often become ruthless. We get defensive, and the person who's talking to us isn't trying to put us on defense, but we get defensive automatically because we're, we're hearing a partially 
made conversation and we're speaking out in, in a way that's not truthful and we just start to get mean. And according to James, this leaves us as acting ungodly or ungodliness. We don't respond in a way that represents God well. What James is alluding to in, is Proverbs seventeen twenty seven. that says, Believers need to represent God with a cool spirit. A cool spirit. To be like God and to show the world who our God is, we must listen to what people are saying. That's what this passage is teaching. Know this. Be quick to hear. Listen to what people are saying. Listen to what people are saying. Listen to what people are saying. Respond with truth to what's being said because you've thought it out. You've actually processed what they're saying instead of trying to process an answer before you even thought about it. We're supposed to do that under emotional control. Our response should always be under emotional control. If we're going to represent God well, if we're going to represent righteousness or produce the righteousness of God in our lives, we've got to be under control. And in doing so, what we produce is a positive thought and point through our conversations, point people to God. God does not respond as quickly as we want him to. He doesn't respond in the, in the way that we want him to. He's very patient with us. Have you noticed that about God? He is so patient. But this is hard to do in our fast-paced world. People demand a quick response and usually expect a hot response. In fact, they will say things to see if they can get you to respond in an in a, in a angry manner. Because to some people, if they can get you to respond in anger, they know that you've lost control and then they control the, the conversation. But God expects everyone who claims his name to have a cool spirit. Know this. My beloved brothers, let every person. See, this cool spirit is like the evening breeze that tempers the heat of the day, which we haven't had as much heat as other places have had. We've had some pretty hot days lately. 80 for us is hot. <laughs> Causes us to whine and complain. My nephew lives in Sacramento. It's been 114 down there. That's what he gets for living there instead of this beautiful weather that happens in Astoria, Oregon. But it's like that cool breeze that comes off the ocean at the end, at the end of the day to which we complain about because it gets cold, but at least it's not 114. And it calms us down, it cools us down. See, this, is, this idea of a cool spirit is like the place in the Garden of Eden when God met with Adam in the cool of the day. They were, they were conversing in the afternoon, and it was always in the cool of the day. And I always wondered what that was about, and that was about just so they could communicate well. Now, the other side of that conversation about being in the cool of the day is where Eve conversed with Satan. 
And she was not quick to hear, but instead she listened to what she wanted. She was not slow to speak. Instead, she manipulated, I believe, her husband. And she responded by rejecting the words of God, making her unrighteous, bringing sin into the whole world. She should have been a, had a cool spirit and been quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. But instead, she flipped it around. How different would things be if she would have had a cool spirit? Listen to what Satan was saying so she could have rejected it. Because Satan lied to her. But she wasn't listening to the lie, the lie of Satan. She was listening to what truth she could find out of that lie. She didn't really think about what he was saying. She should have been slow to speak. She should have had a thought out response instead of saying she agreed with Satan. She should have said, you're wrong. And it led to her being selfish, which is a form of anger. How different would your marriage be if you listened to each other? That was a free shot across the bow. How different would your relationship be with your spouse if you actually listen to each other. Now I know what some of you are thinking. That means I got to listen to the whole thing. Yes. Some people communicate in long form. And you just have, that's who they are. My, my, my wife, I love her to death, but when she tells a story, it's going on forever. For, and she, from, begin, from, from like beginning like 1964 when she was born. It's the whole thing. And it's like, I'm always trying to rush her. The problem is when you rush her, you don't get the story. <laughs> She's going to use this against me later. How about if you responded in an informed manner to the conversation that you and your husband or wife had? You responded with truth. Not with partial truth or what you think they were saying. Have you ever done that? or been accused of thinking or responding in a way that was just thinking what they were saying? How much anger would be gone out of our homes if we just listened to each other and responded in truth instead of anger? This isn't condemning anger. I mean, there's some things that are said that, that should upset you, but it should be because it's been thought out, it's been listened to, it's been thought out, and it's been responded well. How different would it be if you conversed under emotional control? When I find a couple that's fighting all the time, it tells me they're not obeying this scripture. And when you see them and when you listen to them, you, no one's going to say, oh, they're a people of God. They must be God's people. Even though one of the things we're fighting right now in, in Christianity in America is people in church are doing that. They're not listening to each other. We're not responding in truth. And we're getting angry at each other. When Christians get angry at each other, it does not represent Jesus Christ very well at all. We 
we can see this thing played out in the story of King David or part of King David's story. And I'm going to read some scripture and just kind of go through it a little bit so we can see how this quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger plays out. 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 5 says, When King David came to Baharim, I probably said that wrong, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. Now Saul was the previous king who was uh, a sinful king, but David was honorable to him, and Saul ended up dying, and David became king. And so this guy is blaming David for the king's death. And as he came out, as this Shimei came out, he, he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David and all of King, da King David's servants and all the people and the mighty men that were on his right hand and his left. So just imagine this guy, King David's leaving the city because his son is overtaking him because of his, um, because of David's actually failure. And he's leaving the city and Shimei takes advantage of that moment and he starts throwing rocks at David and cussing at him. And Shimei said as he cursed, he said, get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. And the Lord, the Lord avenged uh, on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. So he's cursing David out because he's blaming David for the sins of, actually, the sins of Saul. And he's saying, you're getting what you deserve. You're getting what you deserve. You're getting what you deserve. And Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. I like that part. <laughs> I mean, don't you want a friend who's hearing a conversation to defend you? Don't we like it when our friends say, Let me just go take off their head? <laughs> Let me just, it just it's that simple. I don't like how they're talking to you. I don't like what they're saying. But see, you're not really listening to what's being said. And the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he's cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more may now, now may this Benjamite? Leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told him so. Leave him alone, let him curse. This was David's response to this conversation that he was having with Shimei. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me for the good of his cursing today. Good for, with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went down the road and Shimei went along with the hillside opposite and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust. Could you imagine somebody having a conversation like that with you? How would you respond? My wife would say, let me just take off their head. She looks sweet and she acts demure. But give her a sword and an attack on me and she's going to take you out. I'm just warning you. Or at least she's going to want to take you out. But David says this, what if this cursing is from God? Have you ever recognized that maybe some conversation that you're having that may not be making you feel good about yourself, it might be from God? 
It might be a, a moment where God wants to see how you're going to respond to what's being said and done to you. If, this, if he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? Has he ever thought that maybe the negative conversation you're in might be something that God wants to see how you're going to respond? Will you be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath? Will you represent him well? I love also what David said. He said, behold, my son seeks my life. How much more may now this Benjamite? He says, I've got more significant problems than this. Do you realize in some of the conversations that you respond wrong in, there's bigger problems in the world going on? If you and your husband can't communicate, if you and your wife can't communicate, whatever conversation you have that upsets you, that's not the real problem. The real problem is you can't love each other well. You've got bigger problems. I like how David said this. Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. You know what he's saying? I deserve this. There are some conversations that we have with people that the truth is we deserve what we're hearing. But we want to get all defensive and we want to get all upset. And the reality is God may be doing it to you, using him to send it to you. And it might be that God wants to see how you're going to respond. And it might be because they're actually telling you the truth about yourself and you don't want to admit that. Amen. This is fun. Love the word of God. David could have said, I'm the king. You can't say that to me. I'm the king. You can't be that wrong about me. But David at least knew that his sin and knew the things that he did was wrong and knew that he was in this position because of his own actions. But I love this part probably the most. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me. And that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. Maybe this is an opportunity for me to show grace that I may obtain grace. Do you know this, what you perceive might be an attack? Could actually be for a way for you to receive more grace from God. More love from God. More life from God. Because somebody's acting like Karen. You don't have to be a Karen back. Might actually be a place where you can find more grace. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Meaning that how we respond to people, how we fight for peace with people, actually shows people who God is. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. Have you ever had one of those conversations where you actually blew it up into something more than what it was? And you made a bigger mess out of something instead of like you didn't like the way that they said something to you so you blew up, you ruined a whole night in arguments because you took something wrong? And not only do you, does your spouse get defiled, but your kids get defiled They're like in the middle of this knockdown drag out. See, we can be receiving a great work of God through someone 
And we can ruin a great work of God through someone all by how we respond to that person. That's why he says, everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. The story is played out in the life of Joseph. If you know Joseph's story, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was separated from family by family. His own family separated him from his father, from his family. He was falsely accused of something he didn't do, was thrown into prison and forgotten there. But God was with him. And nowhere will you find him responding negatively toward any conversation that happens to him. He was swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And he had every right to seek vengeance, but instead of, being, instead of seeking vengeance, he was swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Let me just give you a, a, a part of this story. After he got placed in a, the second highest position in the nation of Egypt, because God was with him. Can I just tell you something? God will bless you if you obey his word. God will bless you. God will elevate you if you show his righteousness to the world. How you respond makes a difference to him. And this was at the end of, of Joseph's story, and he was second in command, and he had every right. He could have just killed his brothers. Like, if he saw his brothers and knew all the evil that he did to them, he could have just said, Psh, I'm just going to kill you all. But that's not what happened. Listen to this conversation between Joseph and his brothers. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to them, meaning they were afraid. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers. Now his father's dead, so there's no verification of this conversation, right? Please forgive the transgression of your brothers in their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept. And when he spoke to them, when they spoke to him, his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, listen to Joseph's response to this conversation. Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about many people who would be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I'll provide for you and your little ones. Then he comforted them. And the Bible says he spoke kindly to them. These are men that did unimaginable things to an innocent man. And he had every right to seek vengeance, and he didn't. He had every right to be angry. He had every right to be a Karen. He had every right to throw a fit. He had every right to respond back with negativity. Some things we've got to learn out of this. One, they knew they had done evil. It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to them. Like, they knew they did evil to them. Have you ever realized that sometimes in conversations you're talking to somebody and they know what they're saying is wrong against you? They know what they're saying is hurtful and harmful. They know it. And that even frustrates us more because they know that what they're saying is wrong. But it makes, why would they say that to me? Why would they talk to me that way? Why would they add these words to me? Why would they put this pressure on me? See, I believe this, and maybe I'll be fooled someday, but people know what they're doing is wrong. They just don't want to confess it. 
When people respond negatively towards you or with hurtful things, they know they're saying things to hurt you. It's on purpose. The purpose is to cause you harm, to get power over you, to get you to be defensive, to get you to lose control. Now, if you listen carefully, and I'm going to read this part, you won't hear repentance. What you'll hear is a manipulation of his brothers as they played on Joseph's love for his father. Here's what they said to play on the love of Joseph's father. Your father, your father, your father gave this command before he died. We don't know if this is true. Dad said. How do we know that? Dad's dead. We can't even find out if he actually said that. But they played on the fact that Joseph loved his father and Joseph would do anything that his father said. And then he goes on to say, or they go on to say, and now please forgive us the, trans, the transgression of your servants of the God of your father. So now they bring religion into it. You ever been in a conversation with somebody who all of a sudden brings God in the conversation? God said. Or they're quoting scripture or whatever they're saying God's saying. And the whole idea is they want to manipulate you in the conversation. And if you're not listening slowly, you're going to respond with thoughtlessness. Right? I gotta, I've got to forget what I, I almost forgot what I was saying. Oh, I'm sorry. And then you respond with thought, thoughtlessness. You'll be slow to speak or fast to speak. And you'll be quickly to anger. Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought. Think about it. Slow to hear. To do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Never avenge yourselves. Never avenge yourselves. This is what the scripture is saying. Never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God. I've got a sermon I'm prepping on the wrath of God. I'm just warning you. It's coming because I don't believe that this generation fears God the way the scripture teaches how awesome God is. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Sorry, that was King James versus ESV. Give thought to doing what is honorable in the sight of all. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If God knows what's being said to you and he knows who's saying it to you let God take care of it because you're not going to change the way that they talk to you but don't change the way that you talk back to them based upon what they're saying to you he goes on to say you meant it for evil but God meant it for good to save many people alive do you know that every conversation we have I believe God has a higher purpose for what we say. I think every conversation is there's a higher purpose and that is to honor God with everything that we say and everything that we do. I believe the higher purpose is for us to be a testimony of his salvation through our righteousness. It proves that we're saved. I was thinking about Joey's talking about, you know, how we represented well on the soccer fields. But all one of you has to do is throw a fit towards a coach 
because they don't play your kid and you don't think they're being fair and you undo all the work that God's trying to do and people see us as Christians not as good Christians but as angry Christians and it doesn't represent God well see in a conversation when you're suffering it might be the solution to someone else's salvation how you respond to them might make a difference in whether they see God or see you See, the spirit in which you respond is important, and that's what James is teaching. The spirit in how you respond, the spirit in how you listen to people, how you speak to people, and how you control yourself around people. Now, Joseph chose to speak kindly, seeking comfort, not to curse. Because the Bible says he spoke kindly to them. Is that kind of how you're viewed by the people around you? Like, is a, is a spouse, would your spouse say, you know what? He always speaks kindly to me. She always speaks kind of, you know, I can say that about my wife. I can't, she can't say it about me, but I can say it about her. It's easy for me to say that you always speak kindly. And those of you that know her know that she always speaks kindly to you. But you also know that I don't always respond well because I'm not always obeying James chapter 1. James chapter 5 says this, verse 7 says, Be patient. Remember, we're in a hurry. We don't have time to listen to people. We don't have time to actually respond with well-thought-out thoughts. We don't have time to control our anger. We just want to just let it go. James says, Be patient, therefore, brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. And you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Could you imagine being in, a, in an angry conversation with somebody and have the Lord come back at that time? I hope what happens I hope what happens, if it's me, that the Lord makes me stay here just a little bit longer and everybody else gets to go. That's just me talking. But I think it would make me go, oops, maybe I should be careful about how I talk to people. See, wisdom isn't seen in what you share with people, but the spirit in which you respond. And today, in responding to the word of God, would God recognize a cool spirit in you that you've been listening to what he's been trying to tell you today? Swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Did you hear what he's actually said through the preaching of the word of God or did you hear what you wanted to hear? That happens in church all the time. This would have been a good sermon for my wife, my husband, my neighbor, my kid, my dog, when it was meant to be heard by you? Or did you just hear what you wanted to hear? See, we're in such a hurry, we can't even stop long enough to actually hear the word of God being preached to us. Because it's not entertaining enough. It's not a passage we wanted to hear doesn't have the depth of the meaning that we think it should. 
when God's just trying to talk to you. In your response to God, because you heard the truth, will you respond in truth? And will you speak to him in a way that says, God, I want to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, slow to anger. I want to represent you well. I want to, I want to honor you with my life. Or will you have passive anger that will not respond to the conversation the Holy Spirit's been trying to have with you today? Because you're so preoccupied with something else going on in your life that's more important than actually hearing what God is saying to you in the moment. If you won't do it with people, if you won't do it with humanity, you won't do it with the holy. God's not in a hurry, but he is expecting a response to the conversation that he's tried to have with you. I believe this. How you communicate with men is generally how you communicate with God. Do you hear what he's saying? It depends on whether you hear what others are saying. Do you speak truth? It depends. Do you get angry and emotional? You get angry and emotional with God. So all he's saying is, everyone, be a listener. It's that simple. Be a listener. Listen to people. Listen to them. Take the time to listen to what they have to say. I know. I know. There's some people that take advantage of that, and they will just go on and on and on and on. You know what that's saying? They're really lonely. But we are in such a hurry that we can't take the time to actually hear what they're saying. Speak truthfully with wisdom because you've actually heard what people have said. Husbands, wives, listen to what's being said. Not how it's being said. Listen to what's being said. Because if they're out of control, how it's being said is probably not a way that communicates well. When you're out of control, you don't communicate well. Have a cool spirit. Have a cool spirit. Stop letting your emotions dictate your conversations. Because if you do that, you'll produce the righteousness of God and people will see that in you. And they'll glorify God on your behalf. Could you imagine every conversation you had if it brought God glory? If it brought him praise? If, it brought, if people said, wow, I want to talk to that guy because he's got it under control. I wonder if we as Christians actually obeyed this command and had a cool spirit, how many people might be saved by our righteous response, not our self-righteous one. How many people would want to know our God because we know how to talk to one another. We know how to communicate with one another. We know how to speak truth. We know how to listen to one another and get, get to the bottom of the, the, whatever the problem is we're conversing about. You know, if we slow down and listen, speak the truth and have a cool spirit, somebody might actually get saved. That's what this passage is teaching.
No words. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. Father, I know that this is weighty on us, but I love the the truth that James shared, beloved brothers. I do love these people. And I would love to see their homes have the kind of communication that would glorify your name. I would love to be a church where our communication glorifies your name. Wherever we go, people know we're going to talk to each other with civility and honesty and holiness. I hope that they see us as a people who have a cool spirit. We would never be seen as a Karen. Father, we we never want to represent them the way that we want to represent you well. I think we could also say we need to be swift to hear when we're listening to you, Father. And maybe not need to respond so quickly that sometimes we just need to think about what you're trying to tell us. Help us to be under control. Help us to control our our emotions, especially with conversations. I've heard you in relation to my life, Father, because I know I'm not perfect in this. But I'm striving to please you. I'm striving to serve you. I'm striving, Lord God, to be the man that you need me to be to glorify your name. Help us, Father, please. Just slow down. To not blow by people. Help us, Father. Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said. Would you do me a favor, just really quickly, if you just close your eyes one more time and bow your heads. Just be honest with me and say, Pastor Andy, I have a lot of trouble with a cool spirit. Pray for me. I have trouble listening. I have trouble responding right. Father, be with those that we're honest today. Let that cool spirit come from you. Let them gain confidence in your word and in your ways. That if they just obeyed your ways, they might actually see the fruit of righteousness. Encourage our hearts, Father. To be the kind of people that glorify your name with all of our conversations. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said. Amen. You guys have a great day. God bless. Go home. Don't forget your kids, please.